listening to the teaching of Doxa Church. Doxa is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. This morning, we are in the second leg of our two-part message on the end of the world as we know it. Yeah, if you weren't with us last week, you came in a good week. All right? Um, Last week, I preached a message called The Attractive Kind of Crazy. We covered 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. And it was on the event that kicks off everything, the next return of Jesus Christ, also known as the rapture. And the message was about how We don't have to grieve, when we do grieve, we don't grieve the same way others grieve who have no hope. Because if you know Jesus as your Savior, you know that Jesus already defeated death. He's Not only did he tell you not to worry, not to be anxious, but he proved that he defeated death by rising from the dead. And he told us there... That he was going to return and that we who were alive and remain will meet him in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord in the air. And I know that does sound crazy in a vacuum. Some of you may even think, wow, you must be nuts for believing something like that. But as we went over last week, it's not wishful thinking. It's not a happy thought to cope with the pain because Jesus proved He has conquered death, and Jesus is alive, and he is coming again, and we believe him. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 14 says this, if you could follow with me there. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Now, Paul ended that first point by saying in verse 18, therefore, encourage one another with these words. That's where we left off. And now chapter 5 takes a turn. And you can see it right there in chapter 5, verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So, Paul is now ready to talk about another event, something else that happens next. And this is a different event from chapter 4. You can see it really there as he's, as it's just the language now concerning the times and the seasons. He's ready to talk about another piece of the pie. And Paul is shifting his focus off of the rapture of the church onto another event, something that has been prophesied about up to this point for centuries and is all throughout the, New Test- throughout the Old Testament. And it's called the Day of the Lord. So we have our new topic. We're not talking about the rapture anymore. We're talking about the Day of the Lord. And Paul is talking about this day to two different people. It's a warning to the children of the night, and it's a challenge to the children of the day. Which one are you? Are you a children of the night, or are you a 
child of the day? It's a very important question. Are you in darkness spiritually, or are you living in the light of Christ? And I want to say this right now. This message, if you don't know Christ, is offensive, okay? Because you are being told that you're not in a good place, and your path is leading to destruction. And I have, I have grave concern for your soul. So we're getting into a heavy topic, and I want to be real with you and as gracious as I possibly can because we want you to have what we have as Christians. But if you are someone who has never trusted Jesus Christ, you've never confessed your sin and turned to Jesus as your Savior, the Bible describes you, Paul is describing you right here, as a child of the night. You are in spiritual darkness. You do not understand the full truth. And your destination is destruction. If you turn your back on God, refuse to accept him, refuse to confess your sin, in effect is what you are doing is saying thanks but no thanks, spitting in the face of the Savior who gave his life for you. And when you say, no, I don't want that, no, I want to go my, my own way, no, I don't need that, I'm good, thanks anyway, I'm going to go over here, I'm going to use all the gifts that you've given me, I'm going to enjoy this amazing life and this creation that you have put in place, but I don't want anything to do with God, God will eventually grant that to you, and you will be separated from God. He does not force anyone to believe. So, the day of the Lord. This is what we're talking about, and this is why I'm going there with you, because this is a church that loves you enough to say, the day of the Lord is coming, and you need to be prepared for that day. And even though what I'm going to say here and what this passage talks about is offensive to anyone who has not repented and believed in Jesus, it may sound like bad news to you, but it can be good news. For those of us who know God, it is the best news. The key is finding Christ, confessing your sin. And that bad news, that offensive message can then become something that gives you hope. That's where we're going with this today. Now, I know you probably didn't want to hear all that, but we do want you to know Jesus. We want you to have no fear in death. We want you to have hope in spite of grief. And we want every single person in here to have confidence in the face of judgment and calamity. Doesn't, doesn't that sound great? We have a Savior who took our place. This is how it's possible. Jesus Christ took the wrath of God upon himself, the just wrath for our sin. And I'm standing up here as a Christian. There's many Christians in this worship service today, but we're not much different than the children of the night. The only difference is we have confessed our sin and we have believed and we have been forgiven and redeemed. We have been set free, as we just sang about. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that can be you as well. So... In conclusion of all that introduction, there are two types of people. 
There's the children of the night and there's the children of the day. Jesus called them the sheep and the goats. We often call them believers and unbelievers, the saved and the lost. But which are you? Are you stumbling about in the dark or are you living in the light of Christ? And I'm calling today's message, Awake at Night Next to a Drunk. It's a warning to the children of the night, and it's a challenge to the children of the day. So please follow along with me as I read our passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation." For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. I once heard a preacher say, the only thing more terrifying then judgment is no judgment at all. The only thing more terrifying than judgment is to have no judgment whatsoever. Think about that. Are you afraid of judgment? If you're a child of the night and you don't know Jesus, you probably are, or at least you should be. If you're a child of the day and you know Jesus as your Savior, you don't need to be afraid of that at all. Look again at verse 9. Here's the reason why. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's your good news right there. You know, Jesus, you're not destined for wrath. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to remember this. Jesus has taken our punishment. And the first thing to understand is the very good news for the people of God. The day of the Lord is not for the children of the day. That's, that's number one that you have to understand. And a lot of times we get this confused because it can. There's, there's all these different passages in the New Testament. And sometimes we, we really do get this mixed up, Right? But if you are saved by grace through faith, you will not see the day of the Lord. Now, there's something called the judgment seat of Christ, which is a different thing, also known as the Bema seat. But it's definitely not the same. It's not even close to the day of the Lord. There's two passages of scripture in the New Testament that describe the judgment seat of Christ for the children of the day. 
In both cases, Paul is addressing the church, and this is how he describes it. I'll give you the two passages. It's Romans 14, 10 through 12. You can turn there if you would like, but I'll read it to you. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. And then the parallel passage with that is 2 Corinthians 9, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So you can see how this is confusing, right? Paul's talking about the day of the Lord for those who don't know Christ. And you also have some portions of scripture that talk about this this judgment seat of Christ. He's speaking to Christians when he talks about that, but they are two completely separate things. We're going to see that in a minute when we get into some description of the day of the Lord from the Old Testament. But what you really need to understand is, yes, they're different. Secondly, you will, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, you will give an account and answer to God how you spend your time, your talent, and your treasure. Everything that he has provided you with, you will answer for that. And he will reward you for the good things that you do. That's the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I think there's going to be a lot of people at that day who will wish that they had done more, most likely. But here's the good news about this. If you know Jesus Christ, you will not be standing there in shame. You won't be in shame. He will remove every tear from our eyes. And he will reward us for what we did for the kingdom. And the New Testament talks a lot about the different crowns that we can receive as rewards when we serve and we use our life to glorify God. There's, there's, I won't get into that today. That's a topic for another time. But, but you even see in chapter 4 of Revelation, which gives us an insight, it actually describes an incredible glimpse into the throne of Christ. And you can turn with me to this one, uh, Revelation 4, verses 9 through 11. This gives a little more insight to what we're talking about. Revelation chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Some people take that and they think, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my crowns. I'm going to cast my crowns back at the feet of the Savior one day when I'm there at the throne. Here's what we know for sure. You will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ for all the good you've done. He will remove the tears from your eyes like you will not be in shame. At the same time, some people will have more and some people won't have as much because they simply didn't do as much for God. You can't get around that. But we do know that we will give him all the praise and all the glory and all the worship and all the honor because we are going to know. There's going to be no doubt about it 
Everything that I accomplished and did in this world, in this life, was empowered and strengthened by God. He, he gave me the ability to do this. And how I live my life down here right now, it matters. Some will be rewarded more than others. Some are going to wish they didn't lay as much treasure up on earth and that they laid more treasure up in heaven for eternity. Actually, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11, right after Paul talks about the judgment seat of Christ, he says, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. So I know this can get kind of awkward sometimes when we're talking about rewards for the kingdom, but God uses it as a motivation and an inspiration for all of us. That's the Bible. I, that's not me. That's not coming from me. And even if it sounds uncomfortable to you, don't worry about it. The truth is God has gifted us. He has written your story, and he wants you to glorify him in your life, to represent him, to be an image bearer of him because you were made in his image. And when we do that, he is a good father who will reward, reward his children. Another question you may be having is, well, when does this happen? And it's hard to say for sure, but it does happen sometime between your death and the eternal new earth. So in my timeline, it's happening sometime during the tribulation period. But here's what we do know for sure. The children of the day will give an account. God will talk to you about your life on earth, and you will be judged and rewarded accordingly. But get this, you won't be punished. Please remember that. Why won't you be punished at all? Because Jesus Christ already took your punishment. I like to think about it this way, like even with my kids, sometimes I mess this up, but I don't punish my children, I discipline my children, right? It's a way to teach them, look, if you know Jesus Christ, you will not be punished for the, with the wrath of God because Jesus absorbed the wrath. Jesus took the punishment. Now, as a loving father, he does discipline, and there is a difference there between discipline and punishment. Now, for the children of the night, those of you who have rejected your creator, chosen your own way in rebellion to your creator and God's will for your life, this is where I have grave concern for your soul. I want to be real with you and I want to be honest with you. This is what's going to happen. And you need to be prepared for this. You will be punished. You, you won't be facing the judgment seat. You'll be facing the day of the Lord. You will face the wrath of God fully for your sin and rebellion against him. How can I say that? We'll look again at 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 2 and 3. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Now Paul is talking to the church at Thessalonica about the lost around them in this exact context. 
He's saying you're not the same as those people. You're not in the darkness, so that day isn't going to surprise you. And we're going to get back to all the things that Paul says to the children of the day here in a second. But here's the warning for the children of the night. The day of the Lord is coming suddenly and you need to repent. You need to turn to Jesus Christ. And I don't know all of the people in this room. I know many of you and I know a lot of you are following Christ and we're going to be, we're going to be in heaven for eternity. We're going to be in the new earth worshiping our Savior. I know that. There's also people in here I don't know. And I would say in a room this size, there are probably people in here who have grown up hearing about Jesus. You've been associated with the church to varying degrees, but you've never fully bought in. You've never confessed your sin and given your life to Jesus Christ. For those of you who are in here like that, I'm really glad our paths crossed this morning at this passage. Because this is your chance right now to take this bad news, this scary news, and let it become the best news. You can find hope. You can find peace. You can find life, an abundant life in Jesus Christ right now. And you can do it in your seat at any time during this message. You can do it right now, or you can do it in five minutes. But I am praying right now for the Lord to convict you of your sin and for you to confess and believe. I want the Lord to do that for you today. And if you do that today, please let me know and we can celebrate together. Because today can become your best day of your life by finding Christ. Did you notice what else it said about this in verse 3? While people are saying, oh, there's peace and security. It's all good. Think about the people in the world, the rich and the famous. Think about all the celebrities who pump thousands and thousands of dollars a year into making themselves stay young. Right? They're doing so much to hold on to what they have in this world right now. I saw a viral video a week ago. It was called A Day in the Life of a Childless, Childless Woman. And it, and it really just, it was very cringy for one thing, but it really shows you what the world's mindset is like. People who are the children of the night trying to convince themselves. They're working so hard at telling themselves that I have peace and security. Forget that they're on anxiety medication and, and like they're, they're spending all this money that they don't have to try to keep up. I mean, forget all that. They're telling you, I don't need anyone else. I don't need God. I have pursued my own dreams and I have peace and security. They have to try to convince you of that because they know deep down it's not true. When you worship your own desires and your own wishes and you ignore God's basic truths that he's established from the beginning of time, what's more valuable than having a lot of money? It's having relationships with people, right? God created us to be in a family, to have deep connections in a family. We learn about life through our brothers and our sisters and our mom and our dad. And when you take those things out and you chuck that out and you say, no, you don't have to have that. 
I don't need that. I can pursue my own little D dream right now. It ends in loneliness and bitterness. Just look around the world that we're in today. You can see it everywhere. It's not hard to see. Pursuing your own dream, ignoring God's plan and God's will for your life ends in loneliness and bitterness. But there are so many people who all they want, all they live for is peace and security. As long as I have enough money in the bank to do what I want to do and as long as my political party is in power, I'm good. Life is great, I think. If it wasn't for that person, life is great. You were designed to know God, to be in relationship with him. And you were designed to be in a community, to be in a family. Anything else is temporary peace and security. And this phrase right here that Paul is using is, is mostly, most likely coming from the Roman propaganda machine at the time. Rome said if a lot of times before they would conquer a country or an area that, and they didn't really want to waste their time going to war, they would just come to them and they would say, hey, look, if you let us rule over you, we will give you Pax and Securitas. Peace and security. Don't fight it. It's going to happen anyway. We're going to take care of your problems. It'll be good. Peace and security. And a lot of people still think that way. All I need is, is, is like checking things off my bucket list and I will be good. Paul is saying those people are the ones who are in trouble. The day of the Lord is coming and you need to be right with God. But do you remember the quote I mentioned earlier at the very beginning? We went a different direction with it and I talked about the children of the day, but I want to come back to it right now. The only thing more terrifying than judgment is no judgment at all. Here's some good news. God will judge evil because God is good. He is holy. He is just. And it would go against his character to not judge evil. The day of the Lord is necessary. I'm very thankful for the day of the Lord. Yeah, it's not good news. It sounds very scary for people who are, who are apart from God and distant from God. But if you know Christ... Think about this. God will judge evil. It's not your job to do it. We can't make everything right. But it's in God's nature and God's character to make things right. He is the just and the justifier. It's another good name for Christ that we don't use enough. He is the justifier. He is going to make all the wrongs in this world right. Those evil people will suffer the consequences apart from Christ. Justice will come. And it is a horrible thought to think about the fact that, oh, what if there is no judgment? That truly is terrifying. Because if that's true, then we're all just victims getting bounced around in this world from one calamity to the next, really. We're all victims to the evil around us. If, there wasn't for, if it wasn't for the judgment day of the Lord. 
Justice will come. Be patient. There is a day coming with finality. Obadiah 15, for the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your head. Amos 5, woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. There will be wailing. Woe to the man who desires the day of the Lord. Zephaniah 1, the sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud, a day of distress, a day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. 1 Thessalonians 5, a day of sudden destruction. I told you this message was going to get serious. This is a sober message. The day of the Lord is nothing to trifle with. And, and we don't hear this enough, honestly. But God will judge evil. Which is why it's so important that you find Christ. I don't want you to face that day. No one wants to face that day. If you, not, if you have not repented of your sin and bowed your knee to the sovereign Lord of the universe, one day you will wish you did. One day will you not only face judgment, you will face the wrath of God. And you will be punished with eternal separation from God. But there is a way out. We've been talking about it. One more time for the, those of you in the back. There's one way out of the day of the Lord. His name is Jesus. Jesus Christ. To quote one more prophet from the Old Testament, Micah 7, verse 8, when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Right now, you are hearing the good news of the gospel. I hope God is calling you right now today. Calling you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Please join us. Come aboard. Will you respond to his call? Life your way on your own is not ever going to work out the way you want it to work out. And even if it does, you will still feel a void. You will still feel empty. And you will still face the wrath of God for your sin. You aren't here for any other reason than to find God and to know God, to receive him as your personal savior today. So I don't want anyone walking out of here today as a child of the night. I hope no one does. You've heard the consequences of your sin, and here's the good news. Jesus is the light of the world. He is calling you. You can confess your sins. You can believe him right now. Will you do that today? Now, for the rest of us, the children of the day, let me remind you something I already mentioned, but I need to say it again. You don't have to be the avenger. That's not your role. You don't have to right every wrong. First of all, you can't. It's impossible for you to change someone's heart and to do that. Secondly, Making someone suffer for the wrong that they did, that's not God's way. 
So that's not our role either. And what I'm about to say here is going to be very hard for some of the children of the day to hear. But listen to me. It's not your job to judge people and to make them pay for the wrong that they have done to you. It's not in here. Jesus said, what did he say? Do you remember? Sermon on the Mount? Jesus said to turn the other cheek. He said, love your enemy. Pray for those who despitefully use you. What is that really? That's crazy, right? That's the attractive kind of crazy. And this is a hard truth to swallow for a lot of us. I get it. I understand. I've been used. I've been wrongly treated in the past. I'm not going to get into it because it's in the past. But you have to give it over to the Lord and let the justifier justify all the wrong. He's the only one who can with any finality. Now, Paul has three points here for the children of the day. And yeah, I know we're not just starting the message, even though I'm just getting into the points. Here's the first one. Awake with vigilance. Look again at verses six and seven. We're talking about another heavy topic, right? This is really what you have to take into account. Chapter 5, verse 6. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Actually, that was verse 8. I'm sorry. Verse 6. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep not at night, but those who get drunk are drunk at night. You have to wake up. Children of the day, we have to wake up. The idea here is get serious, be sober. And we all know the difference between a sober person and an intoxicated person. If you've been there before, maybe, maybe some of you have. I'm sure some of you have, right? Even if you haven't, we've seen it. We know what that's like. So I don't even have to work very hard on this illustration. I mean, Paul is just giving us the illustration right here. The world around us is impaired. They don't have their spiritual facilities firing. They are lost. So please don't let that rub off on you and slip into a spiritual coma. The word sober here is the Greek word nepho. It means to be vigilant and circumspect. Have your head on a swivel. You have to know the world around me is perishing. And I'm aware of the lies and the deceit in this world. I know where it ends. I'm not here just to party it up and have a good time like they are. There's more to this life than fun and games. Now, you're not asleep. You're not drunk. They are. So please don't slip into that. Have you, have you been surrounded by the lies of the intoxicated, the spiritually intoxicated people? It weighs on you, right? They're out there everywhere. Deceit. Deceit is like something that's half true, half false. So it's deceptive. It's alluring. You have your feelings. You have your emotions. Sometimes those can play tricks on you, right? You even have your own fallen desires. We still have the flesh that we wrestle with. So that complicates it even more. 
There's a lot of lies out there. There, there's, there's, there's things that will mess you up. They promise, they promise something, and their end is destruction. There are more than two genders. Kids don't need a mom and a dad. Masculinity is toxic. Females are just better at life and everything. Like, I mean, that's just a few to name a few that, that we hear constantly in our world. Now, we love men and women. I love femininity and masculinity. Can both go haywire? Of course. So there's truth. There's some truth in all of these things. But our world has taken it and just veered off the highway into a ditch on it all. Don't let those lies fool you. Then there's people who are not asleep. They're just simply drunk. They're enjoying success. Maybe they're chasing their limited, their limited view dream. And they think everything's fine. Peace and security. No, here's the thing. You, you may achieve what you're going for. And no one's going to care in five years. You're living for something that does not matter for eternity. So don't live in that fantasy world that that is life. It's not. I hope that's not the Christians in this room. But it is, it is a warning to us. We can think the same way. We can slip into that. We can, we can fall into that trap. So stay awake at night next to the drunks and do your part to shake them out of it. But David, how do I do that? I'm glad you asked. This is point two. Verse eight, prepare for spiritual warfare. I already read verse eight to you again. I'll read it one more time for good measure. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. What we have here in this verse is the same analogy that Paul gives us in Ephesians. It's the armor of God. And I think I could be off on this. This is just David's assumption. But I, I do know that 1 Thessalonians was written before Ephesians was written, right? So my assumption is you have Ephesians, like the, the spiritual warfare, the armor of God that's very fleshed out. It's very detailed. I think this is Paul like working that idea out earlier. Like it's not quite as, as, as built together. But, but look what he says about that. We have faith, hope, and love in this passage. This is how we stay awake and we stay sober. We go to war. We have to remember that you're in a war. So notice, it's not just hand out water bottles with the church's name on it. It's not just pray for people. And I'm all for those two things. But it's not all love, 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 love. That's still central, but there is another layer around it. Charity work and philanthropy, are, those are very good things. And I am not against them. I hope you're doing them. Our church does this all the time. We feed the hungry. We love our neighbors. We should be doing that. But you also have to stay sober and vigilant. Have your head on the swivel because we have an enemy. He's coming after you. He's deceptive. He's coming after your children. And I'm not just saying that. He truly is. He's crafty. And the empty promises can be so enticing. So Paul switches metaphors here and he says, don't pretend that you're not in a spiritual battle. Our weapons are not, are not physical, they are spiritual. 
And we wield weapons in full confidence that God will judge the evil on the day of the Lord. And it's not my job to convince them. It's my job to love them and to share truth. At the same time, God is going to take care of me. So that breastplate, you, you have the outer surface that is protecting your heart. It's protecting you from the lies, right? And then you have that inner, that inner lining of love. Faith on the outside, love. And then you, for, for salvation, you have this helmet, the helmet of hope. And yeah, Paul, Paul gets more into it in, in Ephesians, but it's, it's good enough right here. It's defensive, it protects your heart, it protects your vitals, and the softer side is lined with love. Faith and love spring from hope. When you trust God to take care of you, it frees you up to love. I'm going to say that again. I need you to listen. When you trust God to take care of you, it frees you up to love. You're not really concerned about the you're not really concerned about making all the, everything right. You're not concerned about making sure everybody gets what they deserve. I know God is going to take care of me. I know God is going to punish evil. He's going to deal with it, so I don't have to deal with it. My destiny is not punishment. My destiny is salvation. Look at verse 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you're a children of, child of the day, you know I've been rescued. I believe that God is going to take care of me and he's going to take care of everything else. And now you're freed up to love. The wrath for my sin was dealt with on the cross. And this person who wronged me and doesn't know Jesus, they're facing the wrath of God. Do you see how the mindset changes to compassion instead of judgment and vindication? They can try to ruin my day, but they can't touch my life. You're freed up to love. They can't touch me because I have something greater. And they have no idea. They can't even really fully imagine what I have in Christ. They are completely missing it, and they are in the dark. And when you think that way, you're not going to live like, look at me. I'm holy. I'm pleasing God. Woe to you, sucker. You're not thinking that way. You're thinking, wow, I really wish they found Christ. They really need to know what I know. I know I have received more than I ever deserved. So I'm not thinking piously or pridefully. I'm, I'm sitting here astounded at the grace of God. Jesus loves me. He loved me when I was far from him, when I was dirty and ugly and running away from him. He drew me. He pulled me in. He rescued me. I want that for them. Many of you have probably heard the story of Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, and, and, and the group of men in the late 50s 
late 1950s who went to a completely unreached people group in Ecuador, the Aka Indians. Anyone ever heard this story? Raise your hand if you have. I know a lot of you have. Yeah. This was a totally unreached people group. They were dominated by the occult, witchcraft, cannibalism. They, they were the, the scariest people on earth, okay? And for weeks, Jim Elliott and his crew, they just dropped off gifts to try to open up a door to share Christ. They, they studied, studied a dialect that they could kind of communicate with, with these people. After weeks of giving gifts, they finally got a chance to witness about Christ, and it went really well for the first day. They presented Jesus as the Savior. They were excited. They came home. They told their wives about it. This is great. They came back the next day, and they were all murdered. They were all killed. Now, you would think, wow, that's horrible. That's devastating. Some of you know what happens next. You can read all about it in Elizabeth Elliot's book, Through Gates of Splendor. But the same wives who just lost their husbands to these murderers, they didn't come back with the might of the U.S. military to avenge and to get, make things right. What did they do? They came in themselves to witness and to give the light of Jesus. And those same people who had just killed those men were blown away. This doesn't make any sense. Like, what's going on? The wives came back because they were children of the day. They had no fear of death. They knew God was just and that he will judge the wicked. They trusted God and they were freed up to love. Fearless, bold love. They understood spiritual warfare. They were sober and they were awake. So they went back and the second time around, those same murderers became children of the day. They trusted Christ. They received the gospel. When you understand God and what he did for you and how he will judge evil, it frees you up to love. You have hope. And that's the last thing that Paul has to say to the children of the light. It's right here in verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. That's point three. Build up one another with love. And the same way that Paul ended chapter four in his conversation about the rapture, guess what? It's the same exact conclusion right here. Different end times event. Same story. And last week, uh, from chapter 4, our final point was we live like it's coming. And now we've come full circle. This is how we do it. This is how we live like it's coming. We build up one another with love. Worship team, you can come up. The Thessalonians wanted to know more about what happens to their brothers and sisters who died before Jesus came back. Good news. They will be raised to meet the Lord in the air. And then those who are alive and remain will meet the Lord in the clouds. Comfort one another with these words. What else? What else concerning the times and the seasons? Paul's kept it very simple here. God is going to judge evil 
They will pay in the day of the Lord, and they will suffer for eternity. None of us in here wants that for you. We want you to receive Christ. So shake off what they did to you, and don't let it dominate your thinking. Shake off all the worries and the concerns and the anxieties about what this day will bring and what's going to happen tomorrow and what's going to happen five years from now. Of course, all those things matter. God cares for you. Absolutely. They do. But in the big picture, you are free because Jesus already conquered sin and death. And he's already promised you that he's going to work out all things together for your good. He has promised you that he's going to provide for your needs. You're not going to go hungry. He will provide. He will be a shelter and a place of comfort for you in your heart. Just trust him. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And you can't let their sin against you hold you back, keep you in the past. Because God has so many great things for you ahead in the future. You will live with him. Stand up, church. We have to point others to Christ. We want them to experience what we experience. Make that your focus. Don't focus on the pain and the suffering down here. Even when you grieve, look to your hope. It's Jesus. You're not going to feel that way forever. He has a plan. It's better than anything we can imagine. That's how you encourage and build one another up, by looking to Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from God's Word. If you have any questions about the topic of this sermon, or if you would like someone to follow up with you about applying this to your life, please reach out to us at info at doxaupstate.church. You are loved.